this week, an impulsive but brilliant private eye lands in a desolate desert town plagued by mysterious disappearances. By the pricking of our thumbs, unless that's just from touching the cacti, something awesome our way comes, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Rydstrom. Wait, that's not right. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins, and I'm filling in while David's got a house guest this week. Have fun, David. I won't dishonor the sacred names that the Western Apache, Akimel Odom, and Yavapai people gave to the mountains that ring the land that is theirs, but the Spanish people who first violently colonized native territory called these mountains Sierra de la Espuma, or Foam Mountains. English-speaking colonizers called them the Superstitions. Rising above the horizon to the east of Phoenix, Arizona, the Superstition Mountains have lured gold hunters for 500 years, searching for the lost Dutchman's gold mine, a mine supposedly found and concealed by a German immigrant named Jakob Waltz. People have gone hunting for it and died on the way. These mountains are rife with fear or warning, and superstition doesn't miss a trick when it comes to planting the seeds of suspicion or strangeness that's appropriate to this setting. Superstition is a southwestern gothic tale that bears some of the tropes and hallmarks of a late film noir trend known as Film Soleil, coined by critic D.K. Holm. Film Soleil is a grouping of latter-day film noir where deception and corruption play out in a sun-baked and sweltering setting. You can see Film Soleil's best examples in movies like Chinatown, Reservoir Dogs, and To Live and Die in L.A., where the sun is bright and everyone is parched, and not just for water. Gothic literature and noir detective tales are closely linked by these wasteland themes, moral deserts, eccentric characters, and decaying architecture. Jack St. James, our prickly private eye, is just the right character for this world. She's snarky and well-read, scrappy and a fast talker, all key qualities to the detective's survival. I love Superstition's use of classic tropes from both these genres, down to Jack's ominous and descriptive voiceovers and the indescribable cosmic horrors she witnesses. Let's lean back and listen to Jack's fearful determination in episode zero, Curiosity Killed the Cat. Hi there. We are so glad to see you here in our little town. You may have heard of us before, and while you can't believe everything you read, we hope you are prepared to enjoy your stay. Because here, anything can happen. So, lock your doors, set aside your assumptions, broaden your mind, and enjoy your trip to Superstition. Introduction. Curiosity Killed the Cat. Hello? Well, 
that's not a nice way to start a call, Alex. What the fuck's wrong with me? Big question. I don't have all day. Yes, that sound you hear is the truck. No, it's my truck. Yes, that does mean the money you stashed under the passenger seat is also with me. Funny how that works. Gardening? You couldn't have said something wittier like dumping a body? No, I'm not going to turn around and bring the truck back. My truck, and half of it is my money. Yes, it is. None of your damn business is where. What matters is I have a good reason to leave town for a while, and I need some cash to make that happen. Sure, sure. I'll regret the day I crossed you and also the day I broke your heart. He doesn't know anything about this. Leave my brother out of it for fuck's sake. No can do, man. Listen, I'm really concerned about being a bad role model for people on the road, so I'm gonna hang up now, okay? See you, or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Jack St. James, you don't care about anybody but yourself. Sure. But bye now. Well, should have expected that, I guess. say that the past is never really in the past until you're dead. Maybe. Not even then. It waits for opportunity. I understand that better than most. Sometimes it's having to steal your truck back from your ex-boyfriend because you felt sorry for him a few months back and let him borrow it. And sometimes, well, sometimes it's a lot bigger than that. A lot weirder. With a lot more on the line. I don't know how I should start this. This is the Journal of Jacqueline St. James. <laughs> I feel pretty self-involved talking to myself. It's a little too close to that cliche private eye shtick to actually be funny, even if I just take a case a month and keep forgetting I have that ad running. But I feel like I have to keep a record of what happens to show that I'm not losing it, in case it all ends up being a joke, especially if it's a joke. I don't know if I can say it's out of character, exactly. I've taken off before, but I always had a reason. There was a girl. There was that arrest warrant. That argument. This is harder to explain. I, I don't know if I can. I guess that's why I have to try. To prove that I'm not losing it. That I'm not on the edge of my hope or something else. I guess that's the reason why. So if I do find something, then it'll maybe make sense. And if I don't, if I don't, then at least I have something explaining how I got there. So this is the journal of Jacqueline St. James. I guess I should start at the beginning, but the beginning was a long time ago. And frankly, I don't feel like talking about it. So I'll start with last week, a week ago. My life was exactly how it's been for the last few years. Chicago in the late summer. Find ways to pay rent. Find reasons to drink. Rinse. Repeat. I was on a case, actually, if you can call the fucks who ring my line cases. Some asshole wanted to know if his girl was cheating on him. Answer. Dump him. 
So I'd been running all over the city for three days, and when I got home, I had a backlog of mail and laundry to sort through and a splitting headache. And there's this package in my mailbox. At first, I thought I'd ordered something on Amazon when I was drunk again, but that wasn't it. No return address. And its contents? They're the reason I packed half the shit I own, and I hijacked my ex-boyfriend's truck, my truck, in the middle of the night to drive to Kansas. Things from the past. It would be nice if they'd get the hint and keep out of where they're not wanted. I don't know why someone sent me an ancient key to some place called the Old Wichita Inn, and this old audio tape. It sounds like the clue to a kid's scavenger hunt, and the voice on it is, well... It goes like this. Dear Jack, some people leave behind letters. Some vanish without a sound. Find what you have been seeking atop the cemetery mound. A joke? Probably. I know a few people who'd want to pull a fast one on me for the fun of it. But if it's not... My brother always says I'm the best at getting into trouble by not minding my own business, sticking my fingers places they aren't meant to go and getting bit. But hell, if curiosity killed the cat, at least the cat died satisfied. So yesterday, living my life. Today, today, I'm on an adventure. How can I help you? Are you the manager? And the owner. I'm Pat. What can I do for you? This is gonna sound weird. Uh, this isn't a weird sex thing, which I can only imagine happens in all sorts of strange ways here. Someone left something for me here, and they gave me this key, but it doesn't have a room number on it. Well, we replaced all the locks five years ago, maybe. That does look like one of the old keys, though. Any idea what it's for? Maybe I do. What did you say your name was? I didn't, but it's Jack. Jack as in Jacqueline. Lucky guess. Most people don't go in that How direction did you first. Get this? Someone sent it to me. Sent it to you. Yeah, in the mail? Who? Beats me. It's probably a joke, but I had to come check it out. Well, it is one of our old keys to room 12. Great. Is anyone renting it? I'll pay for the room for tonight if that makes this less weird. Someone is renting it. Shit. Well, can I talk to them? No. Because, well, because it's you. What? Stay right here. I'm going to grab my books. It will be easier if I just show you. I thought this all had to be some kind of practical joke. But the hotel manager handed me her register... I'll print it out like she'd never seen a computer before, and opened it and pointed to my name. Today's date. Clear as day. I didn't make this reservation. Check last month. What is this? Some kind of joke? Who's in on this? I flipped the pages back, and there was my name again, next to room 12. I flipped faster through the whole book. Every month, my name, room 12. I wanted to think that's all it was. A joke? But Pat has the kind of face you trust. At least, the kind most people would. It's more complicated than that. I think you'd better explain it. 
My aunt ran this hotel, and I inherited it from her when she died, ten years ago now. I hired someone to manage it for a while, but then I got divorced and decided to move west and took over. It's not all that much work, because it's never that busy, but it's kind of a special old place and I can't bear to let it go yet, so I plug away at it. Anyway, when Aunt Catherine died, she left all these instructions on how to operate things, information on the hotel's history, you know. She loved to document that kind of thing, and I guess I do too. What's that got to do with me? Something she pointed out was this odd little thing about room 12. It was odd then, and it's odd now, but I never bothered to stop it, so we've just kept at it. We've never been to capacity in the time I've run it, so it's never been an issue. Someone with your name has rented out that room for the past 15 years. That's not possible. I did notice that key was missing, but didn't think much of it, especially after we changed the locks out, and nobody ever asked after it, so we just left it alone. A funny quirk about the old place. So, someone, what, just paid 15 years worth of rentals and pissed off? Not exactly. That would have been suspicious, I guess. No, we get checks in the mail every two months with your name on them. I haven't been sending you money. Fifteen years ago, I was... I was a kid. And this is really strange. They show up every two months for years, but this month was different. A different amount for a month and two days. So it expires... Tomorrow. If I'd left a day later or a week, I'd have missed it. And it would have just been strange. A weird coincidence. Funny bit of old hotel lore. But I hadn't. I don't suppose you want to take a look at the room? Yeah, I guess I do. Well, it looks the same as always. We have it cleaned periodically. If someone left something behind, we would have seen it. What's that? An envelope. How did we miss that? It, it wasn't in here last time. Are you going to open it? Just a second. It's a, a postcard, a brochure. Great. I dumped my whole life in the trash for someone's fucked up ad campaign. Greetings from Superstition, where anything can happen. What's it for? A theme park? Someone probably bought this in a souvenir shop for ten bucks. It could be anywhere. Lithuania, Antarctica, the moon. Could have been a theme park for all I knew. A picture of a church with an oddly shaped steeple. The sky at night. Some red rocks of peculiar formation with a circle drawn around the top in blue ink. Something else in the envelope. A page torn out of an atlas of road trips of the West. A dot labeled Superstition, Arizona, right at the center. And a sketch of a landscape. Rough-stroked mountains suggested in the distance, rocks and shrubs up close. Huge stones loosely organized, jumbled together in a way that made it hard to tell if they'd been placed there or found that way. And an X marks the spot, right under the ring of stones. Flip it over. There's something on the back. What is it? It... it's for me. Pat's eye was better than mine was because she'd seen the message on the back of the postcard and I hadn't. Don't think it meant anything to her, though, because however strange and unsettling the rest of this was, this message was meant for me. Look, when you name your kid Jacqueline, you're going to wind up with a litany of nicknames to soften the fact that now you've got a kid named Jacqueline. 
I've gone through more than my fair share. The one my dad used was special because it didn't rely on that ridiculous name at all. Four words, all block letters. See you there, catastrophe. I know, it's weird. Who would give their daughter a nickname like that? But it was our little shared endearment. The kind of thing Dad would write on a note in my lunchbox or leave on the kitchen counter. And there's no way it's a coincidence, but even if I thought it was, there's the voice on that tape. My dad's voice. Lots of people have dads with weird habits. Lots of people talk to their dads every day. Only problem? I haven't seen mine in 15 years. Well, that wasn't what I expected at all. What are you going to do now? I guess... I guess I'm going to Arizona. A wild premise like this one is sure to set Jack on a long, winding, and dangerous adventure in Arizona. Here, we can witness Jack's arrival in Episode 1. Welcome to Superstition. Hi there. We are so glad to see you here in our little town. You may have heard of us before, and while you can't believe everything you read, we hope you are prepared to enjoy your stay. Because here, anything can happen. So, lock your doors, set aside your assumptions, broaden your mind, and enjoy your trip to Superstition. Episode 1, Welcome to Superstition. No wonder nobody heard you yelling. Just looks like a big ring of stones. There's nothing at all out here. Where the hell am I? No, you grew up here. It's not like you don't know your way around a little bit. Don't panic. You can't stay here. What happened? It was late. I was at home. Someone knocked on the door, and I thought I wouldn't have opened the door if I hadn't thought. That's impossible. Whatever I saw can't be real, can it? That's what Jenny would say. Don't be ridiculous. You're just making things up for attention, because things like that do not happen. supposed to be out of town. No clue when someone's gonna come looking. Okay, pull yourself together, Catherine. Just start walking. That's west, maybe? Southwest? I'm definitely north. You have to get at least 30 miles away from town for it to look like a real desert like this. So, keep walking. 
What's that song Grandma used to sing? Um. Little girl, little girl, don't lie to me. Tell me where did you see last night? In pine, in pines, where the sun never shines. I'll shiver the whole night through. God, it is so dark out here. Listen to me. Talking to myself. Am I going crazy? No. I just have to find a road. Phone. Call the police. Just keep walking, Kate. It's getting colder. Did I really see? No? Don't think about that. Just keep walking. Remember that time when we were little and mom took us camping? I left the tent to pee in the dark and got turned around and when they found me, I walked eight miles all by myself. If I can do that as an eight-year-old, I can do this. I can. That should have been impossible. It happens a lot. The darkest part of the forest in some fairy tale the heart of all evil has got nothing on the desert alone at night. You a novelist now? Dumbass. That'd make your sister happy. What's that thing Granddad used to say? Things that live out here. Serial killers. Old witches. Ghosts of the long dead. Cross your heart, say your prayers, and they can't get in your house. I mean, he had a horseshoe hung over his front door, and I don't think that had anything to do with prayers, so... I'm sure Jenny's noticed I'm gone. It's not like she can go ten minutes without asking where I am. She'll call Tom. They'll come looking. They could be looking right now. They could already be out here. What was that? What? Hey? Hello? What was it Mrs. Diaz at the post office says? The price you pay for living out here. No price would make it worth it. No mall, two bars. But maybe... Maybe it's just the price to live at all. Snap out of it, you absolute. Hello? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? I'm lost and I need your help. Hello? Oh. Oh, God.
Superstition, Arizona doesn't look like it deserves the name. I've been driving for the last two days, Kansas to Colorado, a stop in Denver with a dusting of snow on high mountaintops, Denver to Albuquerque. Driving into Arizona, I've never seen a sky so big and so blue. Like you could just drive up into the expanse of it and never come out again. You may think you've seen sky all your life, but not like this. Once I crossed the state line, the drive got interesting. First, red-brown cliffs with pinion and cacti clinging to them. Potholes you could fall right into. I drove by truck stops and tiny towns. Firework stands in the middle of nowhere, bustling with people. Sun and dust kicked up by trucks and minivans distorting the horizon. And then, for long stretches, nothing. Nothing at all for hours but that sky and a cattle guard bumping under my tires. No cell phone service. Nothing on the radio but static. If the truck broke down, I don't know what I would have done. Someone else who leaves home and doesn't come back again. Funny. I'd expected desert like you see in movies. Dunes and hills made of sand. It isn't like that at all here. Superstition isn't far from the edge of the muggy on rim. I stopped to stretch my legs at an overlook. Hiked half a mile to a scenic viewpoint where the wind tossed my hair. Sandstone bluffs dropped suddenly at a steep cliff. Red and white rock, jagged, like teeth. Thirty miles from town, these hills rose up and then flattened into an unexpected valley. In my rearview mirror, it looked like a wall, protecting the road or boxing me in. Gave me the creeps. I was alone on the road for miles. I hadn't seen a road sign since I turned off of the main highway. And then, the town. I only knew I'd gotten there because of this sign, a wooden one with painted letters. Welcome to Superstition, where anything can happen. Population 7,541. Someone had crossed out the one at the end with red paint, replaced it with a zero. Someone's grandma just kicked it, maybe? <laughs> Cheeky. I rolled into town on half a tank of gas, though it really felt like Superstition rolled up to meet me. One minute, I was in the outskirts, driving past someone's fenced-in llamas, and the next... There I was. Gas station. Fire station. A white building in the middle of a town square that looked like City Hall. Green grass. Library. School. Bar. People walking around, waving at each other in the early evening light. Even smiling at me as I parked the truck. No meter to feed. I locked it anyway. I'm not sure what I expected, but it definitely wasn't this. This is the journal of Jacqueline St. James. God, that still sounds so stupid. At least there's a bar. Destination one, while I figure out what the hell I'm doing here. Yeah. Ah, I could really use a burger and a beer and... Holy shit. I know. It's a bit of a buzzkill, but the management won't let us take it down. Someone had turned the back wall of the local restaurant-slash-bar, the Lady in White, into a bulletin board. Maybe not too strange for a local dive, a place to tack up lost dogs and help wanteds. But this. The wall was covered in faces. Hundreds of them, captured on paper. And all of them with the same word at the bottom. Missing. That's some decor. We're not allowed to hang them around town because of some town bylaw. 
The police always tear them down, so we leave them up here. There's a board like that in the library, too, if it makes you feel any better. Can I get you something? A beer and a burger. Lots of cheese. Thanks. Sure thing. Something in my throat stuck. Men and women, a few kids. Years of them. Maybe decades. The most recent was a photo of a young woman. A candid picture. She was laughing. I felt myself searching for a familiar face in there. Somewhere. I couldn't help it. I couldn't seem to drag my eyes away from that wall. Till the bartender put my drink down on the counter, anyway. She caught my attention. Here you go. Haven't seen you before. Passing through? Something like that. She had the bearing of someone who wouldn't put up with any of your shit, and the face of someone with a secret that she dared you to ask about. I had no idea what the answer would be if I did. I wanted to know anyway. So, what's with that, then? Like, that one, girl in the middle? That's recent, isn't it? <sighs> Kate, Millie. She wandered off four or five days ago. Nice girl. Silly sometimes, but nice. You know her? Everyone knows everyone around here. If you live here long enough, which most people do. Went to school with her sister, and I pour her drinks. Vodka tonic. Has she run off with a boy or something? What, you a private detective or something? Maybe. Maybe. People take off and don't look back. That's what they say, anyway. They? Sure. People. You don't know anything about this town, do you? I just got here. You wanna fill me in? What are you doing here, anyway? People don't usually come here unless they've got a reason to. What are you talking about? Amazing spot for a vacation. Those alpacas I saw on the drive-in? Choice. There's a hotel here, right? Yeah, down the street. Tell Kathy you know me and she might give you a discount. Good place to do your sightseeing. Long as I can get a drink shaped like the Eiffel Tower, I'm happy. Wrong state. Can I get another? If you tell me why you're here. Why do you care? Because mostly I pour cheap beer to the same people every night and I'm bored as shit. And you're new and asking questions. That's why. Fair enough. I'm here because... because I'm looking for someone. Well, welcome to the club. What does that mean? I know this place seems quiet and peaceful and all that, that stuff, but we have more open missing persons cases here than anywhere else in the country. <sighs> Holy pepperoni. Why? Depends on who you ask. The land takes what it wants. That's what my dad says, anyway. What does that mean? Means I don't know if you'll find what you're looking for. Most people don't. I learned more about the town of Superstition from the men drinking at the bar, after I bought us all another round. And another. It was pretty hard to offer anything after that bombshell of a statistic, but they did their best. Superstition Arizona was, far as I could tell, officially incorporated in 1932, though people lived in the area as early as 1890. There was water underground. A hundred miles from the nearest substantial city, fifty the edge of the Navajo Nation, surrounded by those high cliffs of limestone and sandstone. A good place to live, they promised me. Low unemployment, very little crime, not a bad school, friendly people. Tragedies, they happen anywhere. But here, people take care of each other when bad things happen. People care for each other around here. I tried to imagine how that would feel, growing up here, 
how different it would have been. It felt claustrophobic, everyone knowing your secrets. There's a lot of power in anonymity, in being able to escape the places where bad things happen to you. That couldn't happen here, I thought, as I walked back to my car. I suppose this was the kind of town where people turned in early. The town square was dark and quiet, except for a square of light from that white courthouse, and... Jenny, you have to listen to me. I don't get it, Tom. I don't understand. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. A man and a woman coming down the courthouse steps. She walked like someone who was really pissed, and he ran after her. I wasn't about to get myself involved in some lover's quarrel, but she was really mad, and it was dark, and there was nobody else around. Plus, he was wearing a cop uniform, which automatically made me a little nervous. It's not that simple. It's not that I don't want to do something. I'm doing everything I can. You know that. People have been searching Nobody's all week. serious about it. No one cares. Not really. That's not true. Jenny, I care about Kate as much as I care... I was out there every minute I had this weekend. You know that. It's not my case. The chief's good at this, I promise. I don't like him, and I don't trust him. I've done everything right, and I don't understand why nobody in this police department will do anything. Don't you know I would if I could? I don't know why you won't. I'm not doing it on purpose. That's not fair. You think after Jules that I would just... If this is anything like Jules, then you can't tell me it's not your problem. That's not what I said at all, and you know it. Leave me alone! I was just about to beat it from this very personal shouting match when I saw two things that stopped me. One, the woman's expression. Something far beyond anger. Grief. Heartbreaking. And brutal. It's strange seeing something that you felt so clearly inside on someone's face. And two, I recognized her. Well, more or less. Sometimes expressions, anger instead of laughter, can change how someone looks. But even so, I was sure that side by side, this woman and her sister were probably hard to tell apart. This woman was the sister of the missing girl from the photo in the bar. So I didn't walk away. I know. I hear you calling me an idiot already. Is everything all right here? It's fine. It's fine. Nice looking guy. Good eyebrows that got real imposing when he was glaring. Which he was. At me. Go back inside, Tom. I'm sorry. We must be making a lot of noise. Can I help you? Uh, I'm sorry to bother you. I just left the bar, and I saw... Oh, Kate's photo. Yes, well, unless... Have you seen no, her? No, sorry. You just look like her. That's why I stopped. She's the prettier one, believe me. If you haven't seen her, then what exactly do you want, Miss... Well, thanks for nothing. Jenny, come on. think she told you to go back inside. I'm a private detective. I'm not from here, but I'm here looking for something, and I overheard your conversation. Jacqueline St. James. You're a private detective? I may have neglected to mention I'm only sometimes a PI, and only if you don't ask for any real proof. You have to have a criminal justice degree in a lot of states to get certified. Criminal justice degree. But 
Life is 50% bullshit and 50% luck, right? Jenny, this is ridiculous. Let me drive you home. No, thank you. My name is Jennifer Millay. Okay, 75% bullshit. I had a couple old business cards in my wallet and I handed her one. My ex had them made as a gag gift when I turned 27, so I hoped she wouldn't read it too closely. I don't think I need to say this, as you saw the poster, but my younger sister went missing a week ago. I've filed a report and there have been search parties, but nobody seems to want to take it seriously. You and I both know Kate probably left on a whim. Maybe. Maybe not. Do you think there's something you can do? I'd be willing to give it a shot. For a couple grand, sure. Tom! Lieutenant Madrazo, I do not require your assistance any longer. Good night. I'll do it for free. Really? You would? Why? Because... Because nobody offered you the same thing for me when I could have really used it. Thank you, Miss St. James. I really don't know how to express... It's no problem. My cell number's on the card. Give me a ring in the morning and we'll meet up. Discuss the details. What? I'll be checking in with Jenny later tomorrow afternoon. So don't try anything. No offense, pal, but I don't think she wants to talk to you at all. I'm the first to admit that I have a few habits that aren't great for me. And here's the big one. Impulse decisions that land me in a load of trouble later on down the line. Usually they're a little less altruistic, but the minute I walked away, I wanted to take it back. What the hell was I doing? Getting involved in this place, these people's lives. Missing sister. A tragedy. Everyone in the entire damn world has a tragedy, and most of the time nobody else cares. What was I playing at, thinking that I could do any good for that woman and her sob story? I can't even fix my own. I once made a promise to myself that I'd stop believing in pipe dreams and impossibilities. The thought that this, any of this, has any connection to my life? That's me breaking my own promise. But if I was any good at keeping promises, I wouldn't be here at all. That's what I was thinking about when I walked around a corner and saw the church, flooded in yellow streetlight, like a spotlight suddenly illuminating a stage. It was the church from the postcard I'd found in that hotel room. Peeling white paint and a rusty gate warning visitors away. And that weird-looking steeple with a jagged metal spire pointing skyward. Well, what did I say about impulse decisions? I was able to pop the pretty flimsy lock on the old wooden doors with a hairpin. Inside, dust. Layers of it. Like sand in the desert. Silver gray over the floorboards and pews. The light from my phone cut slices through the thick air. The only sound? My own heartbeat. I had no idea what I was looking for with my spurt of petty breaking and entering. My feet cut a path through the dust. Nobody had been in here in a long time. Fifteen years, my brain supplied, but I had no reason to think that was true at all. They could have locked it up last week. Terrible cleaning crew, though. I made my way down the aisle to the pulpit, following the beam of light. 
Looking back towards the half-open door, I could see the path my feet had taken. An imprint of my passing. A mark that I'd been there. I haven't spent much time inside churches, for the Jewish reasons as well as the bisexual ones. So I can't explain it, but I knew where to look. A feeling way down in my gut. The kind I've learned not to ignore. Call it a hunch if you want to be cliche about it. Jack St. James, private eye. I reached under the pulpit, through the dust on the floor. There was something there, wrapped in brown paper. My name wasn't written on it this time, but I could tell when I peeled the paper back that it was meant for me. A journal. A slim leather book with battered edges. It smelled like dust, like campfire smoke, like something left alone for a long, long time. Standing there, holding the book in the dusty church, phone illuminating the air like a torch, I felt like a burglar, like an archaeologist. I opened it and held the light up to read the inscription on the first page. This is the journal of Samuel, Samuel St. James, James, 1870. Kansas City, August 1870. The next morning, I nursed a hangover with a stack of pancakes and a gallon of coffee. Hungover because I'd killed half a terrible bottle of whiskey I'd found in the truck in order to fall asleep. And pancakes and coffee because the very sweet hotel owner Kathy wasn't at all put off by the fact that I'd checked in so late. At exactly 9.30 on the dot, Jennifer Malay called me. So precise, like someone had told her once that it was the perfect time to do business. Twenty minutes later, my hangover and I walked our way over to the Superstition Public Library, two blocks away. Jennifer Malay is a librarian. Go figure. Funny old building. It looked like it could have been built any time in the last century, and like it hadn't been renovated since. But it also felt loved. The rundown place was busy for a Saturday morning. Parents and kids. Some teenagers sitting on the steps. Teenagers. On a Saturday morning. Don't you have teenagery things to do? Made me wish for a second I had spent more time in places like this when I was that age. Would have been better for me. I mean, I probably have better stories than those kids. I was struck, again, by the feeling of this town. Comfortable. Cared for. I've never lived anywhere that felt like this. Doesn't feel like the kind of town where people go missing all of the time. I met Jennifer Malay in her office. A framed picture of herself, her sister, and a woman I assumed was their mom sat at her desk. I sat down across from her and put on my P.I. face. I don't mean to be rude, but you don't look much like a private detective. Well, I left my trench coat at home, and those hats are a metaphor. A metaphor for what, exactly? Tenacity? Or maybe being nosy? Well, some tenacity couldn't hurt. Long as you know what you're asking for. I suppose you want to know about Kate. Yeah. The chief of police told me that I don't need to worry. That I should know how little sisters are by now. Do you know how little sisters are? Eh. Everyone just keeps saying that this is just like her and it's not a true problem. But they won't tell me what I should do if it is. When did you see her last? Five days ago. We don't talk every day, but I called to ask her a question on Wednesday morning, and she didn't pick up. 
I stopped by after work and her car was gone, her apartment dark. Her landlord hadn't seen her since the afternoon before. She was supposed to be going out of town, so he wasn't worried, but I was. I called our uncle, a few of her friends, her boss, her boyfriend. That's when I went to the police. That cop last night seems to think she's done this on purpose. She is supposed to go out of town for a few days, uh, drive to California to see some friends. The police think she's just angry with me, not picking up the phone. They expect her to turn up again any minute. So she's done this before? Sometimes. Sometimes? Kate doesn't always think about other people. I think she considers doing things on a whim romantic. She used to fight with our mother and drive out into the desert in a boyfriend's car. Things like that. Anywhere else she might have gone? Any family nearby? Our father passed away when we were kids. Mom raised us herself. She died two years ago. I'm sorry. Thank you. And that's it? Our uncle, my mom's brother, lives in town. He hasn't seen her either. My mom grew up here. My grandparents were like another set of parents to us, lived down the street. Grandma's in a retirement home in Sedona, and they log visitors. Grandpa died for good eight years ago now. He died for good? What, the first time didn't stick? Well, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, I forget. It's one of those town legends everyone knows. He came back from the dead when I was a kid. Right. Sure. What? Well, that's the joke. He had a heart attack. Some idiot at the hospital couldn't find a pulse, and they declared him dead. He woke up stark naked on a gurney before the autopsy, asked if he'd been sleepwalking again, and requested a ride home. They turned his funeral service into a welcome home party. <laughs> Honey, I'm home, and I want to suck your blood. As far as I recall, he asked for a beer and then wondered why we were all screaming. Anyway, that's it. We're it for each other. Your sister. You said she's got a boyfriend? Gunner. Yeah, he lives in Flagstaff, west of here. The cops talked to him yet? On the phone. He's a firefighter. He spends days at a time in the field, and I don't know if he's back in town yet. Can I ask you what she's like, your sister? Flighty. Outgoing. We're very different. Do you get along? We're very different. Miss Malay. I'm older. Mom worked. I was more of a surrogate parent to her, I think. I worry about her because somebody has to. She thinks it's condescending. I don't understand what she wants. She thinks I overstep. <laughs> Sounds familiar. You have siblings? Uh, well, I'm the younger one. Maybe you can get into her head then, more than I can. Did you fight before she was supposed to leave on her trip? We had a disagreement. <laughs> a disagreement? Like, she dog-eared some library book pages and won't apologize, or a real one? Nothing we haven't argued about before. I'm worried she has no direction. She's frustrated I don't trust her to make her own choices. It wasn't even that heated, really. We've had that conversation a hundred times, and we've been meaner to each other about it. I told her she needs to think about her future. She said, you aren't my mother. I just can't stop thinking that it could be the last thing my sister ever says to me. You aren't my mother. 
I just wanted... It won't be. The universe isn't that nasty. At least, I want to think that. You're the first person so far who seems to be taking this seriously. The police in this town. <laughs> that cop. Oh, Tom. Well, it's not his fault entirely. I apologized this morning, for the record. He isn't really who I'm angry at, and he wants to do his best. I don't think he enjoys that job, and I don't know why he still does it. It's hard for many people here to take him seriously. They still see him as a teenager who tucked his jeans in, doing his best to fill out a uniform. That's mean, isn't it? You all are real tight-knit around here. It's a small town. Most people are born here and don't ever move away. Kate wants to. She talks about it. Don't take this badly, but... Is there something that makes you think this is different? Bigger than her just acting out? This sounds ridiculous. It's okay. I have this feeling. That sounds insane, but there it is. I have this terrible feeling that something bad is going to happen. I worry a lot sometimes, but this is different. I can usually write things off, but this... This is different. Maybe I understood why the cops were a little hesitant to take her seriously. Filing a police report because someone's not answering your calls and you have a bad feeling usually means they're going to laugh at you when you walk out the door. <sighs> Maybe I should have too. Jenny Millay struck me as someone who's real tightly wound all the time, always jumping at shadows, crying wolf. But the thing is, I know what she means. That certainty right in your gut living dread where you know that the worst is going to happen even though everyone around you keeps telling you not to worry where does your sister live you have a key to her place i'll give you the address i don't have a key though uh you mind if i break into her apartment you could probably just ask the landlord right i could probably just ask the landlord I left the library not sure what to do next. I had yet to dig into the book I'd found hidden in the dust of the old church, the one that had been waiting there, like it was expecting me. I hadn't even thought about it too hard because thinking about it made me feel, well, it didn't feel real. This town, the sequence of events that got me here, but Jenny, her fear did. I didn't really know if I could do anything for her. If her sister was off on a bender or just didn't want to be found. I mean, I've been there. But if it was something else, I needed to know more about superstition. And about Kate Millay herself. That's what made me pause, I guess, at the rows of photographs hanging near the library's front desk on my way out. City council photographs, someone in a suit cutting a ribbon on that nice courthouse building, a parade, that kind of thing. Some of them were old, black and white and grainy, 1929, 1940, 1973. Superstition had been here a while, and the pictures traced the town's development, more buildings and more people and more women wearing pants. 
I skimmed over them, wondering how the town changed and also how it didn't. The bare bones of it seemed to remain as it grew. When I saw her. At first I thought what I always think when it happens. My own mind playing tricks on me. I looked more closely. A blurry face in a newspaper print photo of the parade. One face in the crowd, an onlooker, not expecting to have her photo taken. I bent even closer, so my nose touched the glass. I must have looked insane, like I'd seen a ghost. In a way, I had. I was sure. Sure as I could be from grainy ink print a little over a decade old. Dark, curly hair. Those dark eyes. A pale face made paler and black and gray. Even the jacket she was wearing, exactly as I remembered. In the crowd at the Superstition 4th of July parade, a date marked 15 years ago, was my mother. Which might be a little weird. A funny coincidence and nothing more. If not for the fact that two months before this photo was supposedly taken, my mother had disappeared. Welcome to Superstition was written and edited by Sarah Kolb and produced by Caitlin Hill. This episode features Amanda Rainey as Kate, Kira Apple as Jack, Jory Wells as Izzy, Alex Gallegos as Tom, and Natalie Hunter as Jenny. Show art design by Mai Stamatelos. Are you too wondering why the local police in your tiny town won't do anything at all about your missing relative who is always looking for trouble? Tell us about it. You can contact us on Twitter at podsuperstition, at superstitionpodcast.tumblr.com, or by email, superstitionpod at gmail.com. Did you just enjoy the episode? Let us know and leave a review. That may be good luck. Is there someone in your life who's acting strangely, doing something unexpected or out of the ordinary? They may be a changeling. Changeling children are said to be fairies, sometimes children and sometimes the very old swapped out for real children in infancy and raised by human parents. Some folklore suggests cooking with eggshells to make the changeling point out your silliness and reveal itself. We aren't sure what to tell you if you find you like them better as a changeling, though. If you thought that was gripping audio, come back next week for when David interviews creator Sarah Kolb about the centering of obnoxious ladies the links between cosmic horror and racism, and a bunch of weird details that form the city of Flagstaff. You can pay the hard-working private detectives creating Superstition at their Patreon, patreon.com slash superstitionpodcast. You can follow them on Twitter at podsuperstition, where they post great desert tweets. We also have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival, where you can join friends like Christopher, Marguerite, and Peter in supporting the curation of an audio storytelling showcase and interviews with magnificent creators. Thank you so much for your donations. You can follow us on Twitter, where we're at Radiodrama, and visit our website at radiodramarevival.com. Radiodrama Revival is also brought to you by Cacti! love those little prickly buddies and everything they can teach us. Like, it's okay if it takes you a while to figure out how best to blossom. Take care of yourself and enjoy that growing season when it arrives. And now, your moment of will.
Hey listener, you might not know this about me, but I'm from Arizona. I've lived my whole life in Phoenix, where the Superstition Mountains are, approximately, and Flagstaff, one of the inspirations for Superstition. It is weird as heck. I do this thing where I'll tell people about Arizona, where I live, and people will say, wow, that place doesn't sound real, and I'll say, it's definitely not. So let's dive into some Arizona trivia, because... There is plenty to talk about. In Arizona, we have some strange laws. It's illegal for donkeys to sleep in bathtubs, for instance. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why either. But what can you get arrested for chopping down in Arizona? The answer might be a little bit obvious, but the reason behind it is really interesting. I'll tell you the answer next week on our interview with Superstition creator Sarah Kolb. And hey, listener, I love you, my little prickly pear. You're so good. That's all, folks. It's time for the credits. Our theme music is Danger Did You Do by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer, Will Williams, is stomping around a desert highway. Our interviews producer, Eli McElveen, is brooding in a late-night diner. Our associate producer, Sean Howard, is hot on the tail of a suspect. Our researcher, Heather Cohen, is slinking through the shadows. Our submissions editor, Elena Fernandez-Collins, is huskily reciting a dramatic voiceover. Our social media manager, James Oliva, is escaping from custody to prove his innocence. Our executive producer, Fred Greenhalge, is cracking the case with panache. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. <laughs>